When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Live show. As always, I am joined by Andrew Combo Salop to discuss, uh, today we're going to discuss game one, a bit of a shocker. I did not have a blowout by the Celtics on the road on my bingo card. Did you, Combo? Not at all, and especially after a Steph Curry explosion like that in the first half. It was really interesting how that went, and... Obviously, Steph was on the bench for a little bit, and he didn't get his bearings back quite like he had it early in the game. A great game from Derek White, from Peyton Pritchard. Tatum didn't shoot well, but he definitely had his impact as well. Jalen Brown, Al Horford, you know, I kind of mentioned him as him being like the best role player the Celtics have. He played great. So it was a really interesting game. What was your thoughts on it, Coach Nick? Uh, Well, you know, I wanted to do a video. I ran out of time uh, as the X Factor being Jordan Poole. Because mm. I felt like he was going to be the guy they were going to need to have as that you know, against that defense as a pr- pressure release and then to fill up the ba- uh, the box score, and that kind of proved true because he didn't really come to play. First game jitters, perhaps Marcus Smart. Just do you see that play where he just literally just takes it out of his hands and some sort yes. of drum on the right wing? I mean that was a little bit embarrassing. Um, so all of those things uh, you mentioned are are, uh, are 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 applicable. I'm doing a video right now. We're focusing on the Boston Celtics. The Celtics fans will like the, the music I chose. I think today, very Boston music, and um, we can we need to discuss a little bit more about like these threes that Horford and White were hitting. Um, and first of all, if you have any questions or when you want you want your comments on the screen, as always, don't forget the super chat is the way to go. It helps us keep the show going. So thank you so much for doing that part. Uh, we have a lot of people out there that were very generous, and that we would love to give you some love. Um, and uh, let's see here to get back to the Derek White and um, Al Horford. So they were guarding Derek White like he was shooting in the regular season, which is below thirty percent. Okay, they started out that way. Did you notice that, how they were kind of giving him an extra room? Yes, I did. So here's where, like, you know, scouting reports could get in the way a little bit because things change. Derek White's role has developed over the course of the playoffs. It's a little bit different. Um, But he really, even in the playoffs before game one, was still only shooting like 33%. I went and looked all these numbers up. So like 33%. So, okay, I'll go under a screen, right? Would you go under a screen against a 33.3% shooter from three? Yes, I would. Okay. So they did it once. They dared him. Um, he hits that one, I believe. Oh, I may have to call these up now in my mind. But um, but anyway, uh, but, but Jordan Poole was the guy who was giving him extra room on the catches and letting him look at it and, you know, think about it. Now, after he gets two or three of those to go, that one that tied the game at 103 on the left wing. Curry- oh, man. And was that the one that, like, he's Steph Curry, Steph Curry? Like, I feel like that's how defenders feel when they're guarding Steph. Yeah, exactly. Steph was in his jersey. The clock was running down. They had gotten nothing out of that. You know, by the way, that was the beginning. That was like five minutes to go or so. That was the shot that catapulted them into the next, into the, well, the tie. And then they got the lead and they kept going from there. 
Um, Al Horford shots, though, when you look at them closely, um, it, it almost felt like Draymond Green wasn't prepared for this game. He played a pretty bad defensive game. Some things were okay, but against uh, Horford, he was not he, – he, he was guarding him like he was um, – Gosh, who's the worst shooter in the league? That's that's how he was guarding and like almost daring him to shoot it over and over again. And I got to tell you, despite the catapult, Al Horford can get that shot to go in. And he was before game one in the playoffs at 43%. So this guy was on fire at over four a game. This is not the guy you want to leave open. I 100% agree. And the thing is with Draymond, if he's not doing it on the defensive end, He's also another guy who doesn't space it for the Warriors ball movement, player movement, often on offense on the other end, especially when you have like a guy with like Looney with them and you have two guys who aren't spacers. So you need that defensive Draymond to be a full effect to get his full value. Uh, absolutely. And like he won't be two for 12 bad again, I don't think. Right. right. Um, but I did have a good tweet last night that said that every Draymond three point shot, another angel loses its wings. Um, he was jacking those up and a couple, they didn't need to do that. And, um, you know, here's, what's interesting in my mind, he, I know he wants to space to the corner, but he can find better ways like on the weak side to be in different positions, um, so that other guys can fill that corner. Uh, we saw that at some point I was talking to my wife when we were watching it and now I have to remember, um, they, they did a nice driving kick. I think it may have been for a Draymond three. When it was probably Porter or I think it was Porter on the uh, it was a right wing cor uh, corner three. Right, sorry, right corner three. Porter was like on the right wing and Porter was on fire from three. And at some point, like that should be switched. You should always have the better shooter in the corner. And they had a few seconds where they could have switched that out. But Draymond just stood there. Porter just stood there because they want to spot up. But I feel like that's an interesting failing on them. I probably most NBA teams don't necessarily recognize that, you know, if there's a moment where they can do that while the pick and roll is going on the other side, they could switch that. You want the better shooter in the corner. Do you, do, can you follow that? A hundred percent. And some of the guys for the Warriors weren't knocking them down when they should have. Like, I remember Wiggins missing a wide open corner three that he just has to knock down in the finals. As you know, it's a make or miss league. And if, if Wiggins is not knocking that down, man, it's going to be tough for the Warriors. So what do you make of this whole thing about, uh, you know, White and um, and Horford are not going to go 10 for 11, whatever they went, you know, from three again. And this, uh, the Warriors should feel OK about themselves. What do you think about that? Well, the Warriors fans could say that, sorry, the Celtics fans could say that Steph Curry went nuclear in the first half or almost nuclear, and we withstanded that and came back and won the game really handily. So you could look at it either way. I don't know, man. Derek White seems to be in pretty good rhythm, and he's been shooting it pretty well lately. I know the reason why those percentages were down was because he, he wasn't shooting them great earlier in the year, right? But he was the perfect piece for them as a connective piece and um defensively he fit what they do even though people were targeting him earlier in the playoffs he was actually the most impactful defender on Steph in this game so it's really interesting his impact is amazing and yeah they might not shoot like that from three but that doesn't mean that they still can't edge out wins but I'm gonna stick with my prediction Warriors and seven man I gotta stick with it yeah I mean I, I you know it, it still feels like it's gonna be you know I said Warriors and six it that could even still happen because there was yeah. it, here's the thing the 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 Celtics so the, the, the stat I tweeted out earlier was that the uh, starters for the Warriors, which primarily matched up uh, against the starters for the Celtics, were a plus 34.7 or something like that. Um, and meanwhile, the starters for the Celtics were a negative 25. They played a couple minutes less. So what I was seeing, at least in game one, 
is that the the starters, if you you know, those two guys are going at each other for 48 minutes, the Warriors win that game. Like that, that's the matchups, at least for last night, and that seems like it could continue to go that way, uh, would favor the Warriors without question. Ime was able to then through the alchemy of personnel management, whatever, you know, listen, what did you make of? Let's give a shout out to, to Peyton Pritchard. He took Marcus Smart's minutes in the fourth quarter and he played, he didn't even have an incredible, he, I think he had eight points in 12 minutes, which is, is okay. But um, he was just making plays and he was just all, he was in there at the right time when they were making their good runs. So what did you make of that? Like Smart having to sit there and watch while the Celtics came all the way back. Yeah, he just outplayed smart. I mean, I really liked what I saw from Peyton Pritchard when I was out in Vegas in Summer League. I probably tweeted that. I thought he was going to have a breakout season. Uh, There was times during the season that he wasn't even playing. But defensively, he was really good. Like, that's maybe one of the reasons why you don't play Peyton, maybe. Like, I think he's better on offense than he is on defense. But it seemed like, like, you know, matchups make series and matchups make games. And sometimes you can't really tell why, but just certain players pop. And whatever the solution is of that game, if that makes sense, Coach Nick. Weren't we scratching our heads about Pritchard's lack of playing time in the last series a little bit? Like yeah. there are moments where he just disappeared? Yeah, maybe there's something that we don't know. I, I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah. I, 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 by the way, in the, the game is going really fast. It's crazy. Everyone's trying to keep up with everything. You could just sort of forget to, or put him in. Or, or you know, uh, Smart was going well, doing well, and so let's let that ride for a bit longer, and then he misses his, you know, spot where he would have come in or something. But uh, they certainly could have used him even more in the, in the Heat series. So uh, that was great to see. He was just sort of making plays. He hit a key three as well. So, you know, the, uh, the Celtics go 21 of, uh, what is it, 40? 21 of 41 from three, over 50%, 51.2%. Wow. Uh, the Warriors, though, were 19 for 45 to 42%. So maybe this is the series. I meant it last time. It didn't always come out that way, but maybe for the Dallas and Warriors, uh, Golden State Series, maybe this is the series where, you know, the guy who has the most, the team that has the most threes is the team that wins. Um, three, an advantage of three threes isn't like huge, but certainly an advantage of, you know, nine percentage points on those threes is. And then you couple that with, like, you know, the 14 turnovers. Draymond, I thought, uh, had a, a, a terrible key one on the right wing where he just kind of throws it away. I think that's the other thing about the fourth quarter collapse of the offense. Steph Curry does come in, and they still don't get it going again after his, uh, you know, wondrous start. So I think they kind of almost look tired. Did, did, did they look tired to you? They definitely didn't have the intensity or the aggressiveness as the Celtics, that's for sure. They didn't have the pep in their stuff that the Celtics had. I saw that 100%. And that reminds me of the country's best roasters that have partnered with Trade Coffee to bring you the freshest and best tasting coffee delivered right to your door. After filling out their taste quiz, I've been blown away with how well they've matched their coffee choices with my taste. Everyone has been a surprising burst of perfect flavors suited to me specifically, and I look forward to each new delivery. Their human algorithm and army of taste testers will definitely find the perfect coffee for you. And with their trade match guarantee, if you don't like the first bag they send you, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash bball. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash bball and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. And don't forget about Mother's Day coming up. A Trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life.
Well, we have, you know, best friend of the breakdown, Bron, is out here with, uh, with a, our first Super Chat of the day. So thank you so much, Bron. Really appreciate that. And it's a really good question, which we can kind of, we we're talking a little bit about Horford and the shooting. Uh, hey, Coach, thoughts on Horford's catapult release slash energy transfer? How is his rhythm so smooth on the catch? Well, I, I don't think we can call it smooth. He doesn't dip the ball. At least he doesn't dip the ball in the traditional way where we're, we talk about, with, which is a downward direction and then upward again. He literally just catches it and gets right to the set point. Um, here's my take on that. He's, he gets so prepared so early that like as he's catching, he's already getting it to the set point right away because normally that kind of motion, that catapult, um, would be too slow to get off against you know NBA players. Uh, he's also tall. But then I think that there is a dip. But the dip is in a different vector than what we would normally think. I think that the dip he's getting is sort of going backwards as he's getting the ball from where he caught it to the set point, and it's backwards forwards, and it's that quick of a release that he's almost getting that. If you can picture that, instead of down up into the shot, it's back forward into the shot. And, um, you know, most of the time he's got room, right? So those are the things that I've yeah. noticed. What have you seen about his shot? Yeah, sometimes – players just happen to give bigs more room than little guards just from something mental in their head over the years. But that is fascinating that he could still get decent energy transfer from having the ball go back and then forward and recalibrating that and having that as a repeatable shot and, and to be a consistent as of a shooter as he is. Well, I don't know about you, but when I used to warm up, you know, and I was a good three point shooter, I used to kind of do that. I would literally just get it here, get, you know, stop, set, get everything set and just, just bend my knees and shoot from there just to kind of find that position, find that release. I would do that just to warm up. It's kind of like what he does, right? He kind of quickly mm -hmm. gets it there and just sort of in one motion push it. It's, it's not a one motion. It's two motion because he's got to get it there. But um, yeah, it, it's quick. That That's my, my biggest thing with him is that he's able to get it off pretty quick. Uh, and that's the key here. Um, and it, it appears, and for the most part, even when the guys are getting close and kind of getting in his space, that's not really affecting his mechanics. He's able to can maintain the, the right, uh, you know, distance and right calibration. And uh, the thing that, yeah, drove me nuts was you watch, uh, you know, Draymond just giving it, not even closing out on it. It was weird on a few of those. Um, you would think that it, in, with the pressure of the moment on the road, like in game two, if they can add a little bit more pressure, it's not a lot, but a little bit more, then he won't go six for eight. I think that's what he went, six for eight. Let me check that real quick. He won't go, let me scroll. Al Horford, six for eight. And so, and combined, we had Grant, Will, uh, sorry, Peyton Pritchard going to, you know, uh, sorry. We had uh, Derek White going five for eight. So my math, 11 for 16. Yeah, they're not going to go 11 for 16 again. They probably won't get 16 three-point shots again in another game to come on. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the Russ versus rest debate? Maybe just the Celtics were more in game mode and the Warriors were a little bit more in vacation mode. You know, I, I did want to check really quickly when they last played because it was five, six days ago, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, there's something to that, but usually by the halftime, they kind of get that rust off and they can kind of get going again, which by the way, they did in the third quarter in the typical fashion. So, like I said, that starting unit of the Celtic of the Warriors had their number and they had a, they had a 15 point lead at the end of the third quarter, like at home, they don't lose those games. That one was so astounding by this whole thing. In fact, I mean, I had, I had thoughts in that moment, in the, in that middle of the third quarter, I'm like, I, it, there, there's no chance the Celtics have to win this. Now, of course, we got to talk about Tatum. Now, Tatum had a really off game, as he's wont to do. Like a lot of game ones, he, ten, he tends to struggle, right? And it's maybe nerves. It, it has to be nerves because when I was studying all the shots, 
there's a lot of funky footwork going on. And I think f- mm. footwork, when that gets all weird and the balance gets off, it's because you don't feel comfortable. Uh, what do you think about that? You've been in those situations before. In terms of footwork? Well, in terms of playing in like big games in front of a lot of oh, people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody has some butterflies at the beginning of a final series, right? I mean, Steph Curry didn't seem to, but I think yeah, everybody has. A, <laughs> but I, I think once you get in the rhythm and the flow of the game, you kind of forget all that and you're just playing a sport that you've been playing for what, 20 years? And I think that goes out the window eventually. I don't think players are still nervous when they play like 10 minutes already, right? At least they shouldn't be. But in the very beginning, yeah, when that ball tips off, you definitely, I think all 10 players are feeling butterflies and everybody else on the bench as well. Okay, that's interesting. Because yeah, you know, uh, uh, Tatum just couldn't get it going. He could not get his, uh, his footwork was weird. Like there were times he traveled on one, they missed, we missed a three. And it's almost like, I think sometimes if you realize you travel and you get away with it, you miss the shot sometimes, you know what I mean? Like you almost like, Oh, I, that was not good. Uh, but it also means that your footwork was a little bit off as it was. And so he airballed, I think that one big time uh, on a, on, he caught the ball, the right foot down and then went left, right, left. And they didn't call it at any rate. Uh, ball don't lie. He airballed it. But um, there was a couple moments where he did like a spin and he, his feet are too close together and they're uh, not in the right position to, to jump. Another time where he spun and then he just didn't even see Looney who had come over to, to, to help because uh, he spun. I guess he was back with to, to Looney for a second and then just catapulted himself into the defenders hoping for a foul and it got blocked. So I suspect he'll be a lot better in the next game. So that's why Celtics can say, well, we won the game, even though, you know, uh, Tatum was not good at all. Um, but then I guess you have the same argument with like Draymond, right? Draymond's not going to go two for 12, but I had tweeted this, you know, in March and I rehad it, shared it again or May and I, or May or a month ago. I, and then I shared it again. Sometimes Kevon Looney and Draymond Green are competing for who is, uh, more suboptimal and finishing at the basket. I feel like that's a real uh, thing that they've, neither of them have ever improved much. Yeah, I mean, Draymond did have a little bit of energy in that first half. I remember him grabbing a rebound, putting it back up getting strong. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He lost it as the game went on though. Yeah. Well, he gets hurtling to the basket too fast and gets really bad angles and trying to hit off the backboard and whatnot and hoping for fouls. And you know, it's not really a great look. And so, and remember he is a liability at all times anyway, because they don't want to guard him. Um, so he can't afford to have like low field goal percentages. That That's the key. He needs to, you know, not take those shots or knock some of those down. He missed a couple, he missed all three of his free throws. And watch for that because I had actually suggested that with about three minutes to go. And they had a nice, you know, 10-point lead. Like, if if you're up by 10 or 11 with three and a half minutes to go against the Warriors, what's your primary concern? What's the concern that's going to get them back in the game to win it? What do you think? Say that again, Coach Nick? If you're, if you're up by nine or 10 with like three and a half minutes to go, what's what's the big concern that's going to lead you to lose that game if you're in that situation? Not playing the way you have been playing. Well, like, what are the Warriors going to do that's going to help them win the game? Oh man, they got to get stops. They got to get stops. Yeah, because the Warriors are going to do what? They're going to make threes. Threes, yeah. So this guy tested me on the live show. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That would be called pimping you in improv, and I I should never do that. But nonetheless, I I thought we had a symbiosis here. I thought we were, you know, had a mind meld. Nonetheless, we do. uh, You know what I'm talking about. Uh, the yeah. only way you're gonna, you're gonna the Warriors would win that kind of game is if Clay goes nuts, right? And he hits like two or three crazy threes, and then Steph hits a three or two, and next thing you know, you're down by two, right? Like in a minute. Right. So what I'm thinking is, is what they should, they can use if they want to in those situations is just hack a DeAndre, or sorry, hack a DeAndre, hack, hack a Draymond. Draymond. Yeah. Um, 
that's who they would do. And I, I wouldn't have blamed them. Like they could have done it for about 90 seconds and completely obliterated any um, rhythm the Warriors are trying to get and certainly would el- eliminate any threes they're going to make. And I would I would be suspect about how many Draymond's going to make of those. If you follow him three times, maybe he'll make two of those. Uh, I think that would be a good result of that. So uh, Draymond, you know, he's just got to work. You know, I, I've always my solution for 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 skill deficits there. You got to actually work on that skill. And well, I, also the team, does. also the also the team got to give him the resources to work on that skill and really focus on that early in the season. I don't know why he can't get that three points percentage up a little bit because there was a time he was shooting a lot better. I mean, for a very brief time, a long time ago, right? Like, yeah, but I, I can't remember the last time that was that way. And and all of this the floater stuff that he missed as well is not great. And so. Um, I'm sure. I mean, I guess he's practicing it. It's like when you go to a, a Warriors practice right after that for the next hour, all you're gonna you're, what you're gonna really see is Steph going over all of his form shooting really you know rigorously. You're gonna see Clay doing all this stuff. I, I would see Wiggins doing things. I, in I've been going for a long time. I can't picture in my mind's eye after a practice Draymond staying after and working on stuff. Now again, it's a very small sample size, and you know, I'm sure he he was, but like. You know, when I think about those times, it's like I, I can see Steph Curry shooting thousands of shots and you know, and Clay, and I, and I I don't I cannot picture Draymond doing that. And the results are what the results are. So he if he's not if he's if he's doing it, he's got to do it better and he's got to do it more. Uh, yeah. We have a new um, another super chat, another very generous. Thank you so much, uh, Mike. Wow. Oh, and you know what? Did I miss one other one? Forgive me. Wait a minute. Let me make sure I get the right order here. Um, Oh, that was bronze. No, there's another one somewhere in this chat. Uh-oh, maybe it's after that. Okay, I feel good. Okay, cool. First one is Mike. Mike Quaglia, thank you so much. And that's this is so generous of you. I can't believe this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, really awesome thing uh, stuff there. Uh, Celts fan here. I was nervous going into game one. The first three quarters didn't help, but the Celtics kept Golden State from running away with it. I was shocked at how they closed it out. Thoughts? Well, let's not forget... They were winning at halftime. So the second quarter, you shouldn't have felt too bad, Mike. Uh, they were actually doing very well to turn that whole thing around. Um, you know, let's just let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's not really an elephant in the room, but, you know, why did Iguodala get any minutes? Uh, yeah, I was like thinking like what they were load managing him the whole last series and then decided to have him play. The whole series. I don't think he's played. I'm going to call it up or talking. It's been, it's been months since he's played. I think Um, it's very strange. Now I guess they got a little bit of a lead. So he felt like there's some, we have a little leeway here, but uh, his minutes really sunk the Warriors, even though he went like two for three or whatever it was. Right. He hit that nice mid range shot. He looked like he was in rhythm and confident, but you're right. I mean, he doesn't look like he's ready to play. He doesn't look like he's up to the speed of the game. So, but let's keep it up with Mike, what he wants to know. Cause he wanted, I think is wants it from a Celtic standpoint. So, um, you know, obviously the three pointers get all the headlines, but it's like the guys that were making some cool key plays were uh, like Peyton Pritchard, uh, you know, getting he got an offensive rebound here and there and just like being in good positions. Um, who else was, was doing nicely for them? And he uh, also fit, he also fits what the Celtics do because he's not slow up and down like he gets up and down. He can finish in transition and obviously he can space with the three. Yeah. Now I thought Robert Williams, you know, again, he, he's, he's banged up. He's hurt. His knees bothering him. He's just oh, not, he's not a factor. He wasn't a factor last night. Maybe as the series goes on, maybe his knee, if his knee feels better, you know, they had a, they had a, I think a key alley-oop to him that was big. Um, and again, more of that rotational stuff that just, uh, you don't normally see breakdowns like that from the Warriors defense. So that's another interesting thing. They're going to have to figure out if they can clean that up uh, after all this time of, uh, you know, they had practices, they had time to, to get prepared. Now, on the flip side, the, the, let's talk about the Celtics. 
wholly unprepared defensively in the first quarter. They were yeah. leaving Steph Curry open. They were not switching properly. There were guys, both guys going to the cutter and leaving Curry by himself. Um, is, do you have any insight into what, what that's about? Yeah, that was like recalibration. That, and even Marcus Smart said it. This is not the heat. And I think that was part of it. This is a different style of team, and it took some time for them to get used to it. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because to me, I know that Mark Jackson had said that too, where it's like inspiring that they had played so you know poorly in that first quarter down and then had gotten the lead by the halftime. He was right. I, at some point I thought, well, I don't think that's a great way to look at it only because um, it's just masking, you know, they're getting away with it. Uh, and by the way, I was right at halftime going into the third quarter because they couldn't keep getting away with that again in the third quarter. Um, let me call up the third quarter stats because I want to see here real quick. Uh, well, let's say, I mean, Coach Nick, I mean, I think it's simple like this. Like if you're playing one-on-one somebody for a week, right, and then the next week you play somebody different, it's going to take you about a few points to get used to this new player, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, take it a quarter. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, I mean, the whole drop coverage, which was really cool. They caught, you know, uh, Marcus Smart saying, talking to probably Williams about dropping too far. Uh, yeah. he wanted them to meet him with a three point line and then drop. So there's an interesting, you know, um, uh, nuance here with drop coverage because it's a really question of where do you start before you drop? And it depends on the shooter. And obviously with Steph, you got to, you got to start a lot higher, and then drop and hope to stay in front of the guy. But that's what, you know, Steph is really good at, too. In that third quarter, though, if you want to look at the numbers here, you know, Andrew Wiggins was the chief culprit here with 12 points and two threes. Um, you know, he was looking really good. He was playing good defense on Tatum. And, you know, listen, Tatum was off a little bit. But I got to tell you, the Warriors had something to say about that. Their defense was pretty good on him and, and, and made, his, made those shots uncomfortable without question. Yeah, I think it is muscle memory for guys like Robert Williams. Like, I remember in the TBT, it was the Elam ending, right? And the team needed three, I'm pretty sure. I don't, you, you're familiar with the TBT, right? I had a team in there uh, in 2015. Are you saying that Robert Williams playing on the team in the TBT? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is because oh. of a guy was used to dropping and the team needed three in the Elam ending, the muscle memory told him to drop and the guy hit a three off the dribble. You get ah, it? It's okay. like you have like that's a situation where you have to guard the three. And because of muscle memory, he wasn't close enough. So I mean, uh, I, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I yeah. mean, is it muscle memory or is it just like bad, bad brain? Because, you know, you, you always know when, when Steph Curry coming around that, that you better meet him a little higher. Uh, I, it was kind of cool, though. I was able to point out. So Marcus Smart, he is a good defender. It's a lot more instinctual. It's not necessarily as, um, you Cerebral. know, uh, as what? Cerebral. Cerebral is not exactly the word, but like there is the precision isn't necessarily there for him. And they, they they caught him stuck behind a screen on one of those threes from Curry where the guy didn't step up in time and Curry just flashes the three. I believe it was Curry. And um, what was interesting, though, is the footwork. When you watch uh, Chris Paul get around screens, what makes him so good is that what I call the slalom step. We might even talk about this before. And I did a whole video on this a long time ago um, is, you know, you take your uh, let's see here. The high foot, in this case, it was the left foot because the, the ball was going toward the left side of the court, if you could picture that. And you kind of you kind of do a slalom step. You kind of like, you know, when you're skiing and you're slaloming and you kind of land on your one foot and then, you know. So that's what you need to do is get that left foot higher than Wiggins' right foot, which is the, his high foot setting the screen. And then you t turn and you pivot, you uh, swivel your hips Got and then you run to get around that screen so they can't. You got to get your shoulder over, concept. right? What's that? You got to get your shoulder over. Uh, shoulder is part of it, but to me, it's the foot placement, which I think mm -hmm. kind of leads everything out from there. He kind of ran into the screen and had to take like four or five little steps to try and get around. And that's just too slow. You're never going to get there. So 
Um, yeah. I, I'll have to do another video on that and kind of develop that even more because it's it's really a key component to any kind of drop coverage now because when you drop, that guard's got to get around that screen as quickly as he possibly can. And like you'll so you'll see Smart doesn't really do that, doesn't really focus on that kind of stuff. He's just like, I have to get around the screen. And I'm going to really try hard, but it's sometimes against guys like Steph, like that's not going to work for them. And I, I suspect we'll see more of those kind of shots or, or more opportunities for Steph to, when he gets around those screens, to do some work because Marcus Smart's getting hung up. Um, unless he cleans it up. We'll see. We have another super chat, though. Let's do that. So thank you, Mike, again. That was very generous. Really appreciate it. And, uh, and again, uh, you know, we keep saying the Celtics are going to lose in six or seven. Um, so – you know, you could still feel a little bit, um, you know, nervous <laughs> about all this, but we'll see what happens in game two. But now we have, um, oh, where's that one? Amazing M. Thank you so much. The Celtics offense looked better uh, when not facing super physical teams like the Heat and the Bucks. The Jays didn't turn over the ball as much. Uh, okay. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. When you got guys like Kyle and Jimmy and PJ Tucker, I mean, those guys could really muck it up and make things tough for you. Those guys are super tough. So I definitely see what he's saying. The Warriors are more of a finesse team. They're a good defensive team, but they're more of a skilled defensive team and not as much of a physical defensive team like some of the guys on the Heat. So I definitely see what he's saying there. And you're right. The C's offense did look smoother. A lot of that was because of Derek White and Peyton Pritchard and obviously Al Horford knocking down all those threes. Sure. Well, Tatum had two turnovers. Uh, Jalen Brown had four. So, you know, it didn't work that great for Jalen Brown. Um, and I, I'm confident that if they continue to pressure them, you're going to see moments where, you know, they're going to fumble the ball or the ball's going to go flying all over the place. I know that Brown struggled from with, with the extra physical stuff too, when he was turning it over against the heat. But, um, you know, I, I've seen enough over the, ne- the last several years of the loose handle on both Brown and Tatum that I think it's going to yeah. end up rearing its ugly head at some point, as long as the Warriors continue to keep just pressure on them. But yes, it's definitely a different kind of pressure. Uh, and, and at least Tatum can hang his hat on that, where he didn't have um, so many of those fumble dribbles. I did notice that when, the, when that would come up earlier, when Smart doesn't play, and then they expect him to bring the ball up a lot, that's when you can pressure in the backcourt and maybe make it, you know, uh, slow him down, knock the ball away a little bit. Might not be a turnover, but the ball gets knocked away. He recovers it. Now there's less time on the clock. So um, you keep your eye out for that, because that could, that could happen. But so far, so good for Tatum. Um, and, uh, yeah, but Brown overall though, was aggressive doing really well, you know, uh, had a couple of those moments where I'm like, I'm just going to the basket and you're not going to stop me. It helps yeah. me in the pool, um, you know, not trying or not trying to swipe or whatever, but, uh, on one of those, you're not stopping him. He was coming, he was bearing down full speed. Forget about it. Yeah, he brings that thing on offense that a lot of the rest of the Celtics don't have, just that foot speed and that elite, elite athleticism. As good as Jason Tatum is, he doesn't have the burst of a Jalen Brown, and that showed yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Tatum's a, it's a weird movement pattern. It's, I still haven't been able to figure it out. He, he's a bigger guy, so, I mean, it's understandable, but he definitely yeah. doesn't have elite blow-by ability, and sometimes that's the reason why – he was taking a lot of those tough twos earlier in his career, and now he's just learned how to shoot the off the dribble three at a higher clip. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and I think he can continue to develop his his body and his legs uh, and his mechanics to uh, sure. improve that. Jordan Poole as well. Jordan gets his knees get into weird positions over his feet, uh, and it leads to slightly off balance and tilting and teetering. I'm worried about that a little bit too, injury wise. 
Um, and when it, when you get into a hyper state of arousal like this, where things are going so fast, you, you kind of really get worried about a guy like that because you just watch his knees uh, next time and see what the kind of angles he gets into. It's pretty wild. Um, and so I would be worried about that for him. And then Tatum is his shoulder. There's some weird shoulder thing that he he does when he tries to swing up into the shot. And um, it just is, it, it seems like it interrupts the rhythm every time and yet he'll still make them. So he's figured that out enough, but uh, I always kind of, you know, I don't know about you, but my eyebrow raises whenever he shoots, cause it just looks like there's something not <laughs> in it. I know exactly what you're saying, but what I always try to do, as you know, is look at the ball and the basketball seems to, to me that it's doing the right thing, but something about the body is jerky at the same time. So I yeah. haven't quite understood exactly what he's doing, but the ball is moving in the right way. It's the shoulder and elbow. It's that. And by the way, there's that. What's the funny guy that imitates the players in the court? They film those things. What's his Max name? Max is nice. Yeah, Max is nice. He did one that someone showed me on uh, for a Tatum, and it was pretty good. It was almost there. Um, it, it would have been really hilarious if he fumbled a couple of the ball, of the dribbles uh, moves before he shot it. But anyway, I don't. We don't want to rip. Listen, Jason Tatum's great. I, I, I he's, and he's a great guy too. I, I hate to making fun of him, but uh, Max is nice. Did a great, great job. Check it out on IG if you haven't. Uh, let's see, Yami Tony, thank you for for the nice words. Um, all right, we have another super chat. Let's see what this one is. Incognito, good name, good name. Was Tatum shooting bad? The, to focus on D. Okay, so we've talked about this a little bit in terms of uh, players. You know, if they're focusing so hard on defense, their offense will suffer. Don't ask Michael Jordan about that because uh, he never had that issue. But um, what what do you think? I'll throw it to you first. It was was Tatum's struggles related to the fact that he had to work so hard on defense? Was his primary matchup Wiggins? Like I'm trying to picture now. I think it was. Well, there is some truth that you only have a certain amount of bandwidth and energy on a basketball court. If you're focused more on offense, you're probably going to play better on offense. If your focus is totally on defense, you're not going to have as much energy on offense. Yeah. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe, it didn't really matter for those guys, but a lot of other guys you'll see like certain seasons, the focus will be defense for them and their offense might drop off a little bit just because of the role they have with that team. So there is some truth to that. But in this case, I mean, Tatum is an elite two-way player. So I'm not sure if it was the case here. Yeah. I mean, he had his hands full. I'm looking right now at the matchups on the uh, NBA site, which th I think that they're measured by the start of the possession. Like, who are you guarding then? Which doesn't mean anything, right? Because they, everybody switches. You have to rotate, whatever. But if you look at this in terms of minutes, uh, total number of minutes, he spent the most time starting out on Draymond Green, which is interesting. I, you know what? Sometimes I forget. and I'm watching everything. It's going fast. I'm in the middle of a video right now on the Celtics. But um, – I'm more on their offensive stuff, but uh, you don't you don't oftentimes pay attention to the matchups. And Ime, you know, snuck that in there. I'm not sure I would have noticed or I would have had Tatum on Green. Now I got to look at that and figure out when that how that matched up because who were what was Horford, you know, at like Williams guarding Looney, but then Horford who was Horford guarding in that situation? That's interesting. The next person they had to guard then would be Clay Thompson. And the next would be Steph Curry. So yeah, those are the moments. And the Andrew Wiggins uh, right after that, pretty close together. So those are the moments where yeah, he's chasing. He's got to really focus and move on a primary score. Uh, so that could take it out of you. Can make it a little more, a little bit more tired. But um, you know, I don't know. Like even the first, the first one, for instance, that could have been the nerves in the first quarter. Uh, they do a down screen and Looney gets switched on to him and they throw it to him in the, in the you know, the elbow. And he has the whole world in front of him, and he just opts to do a jab step, jab step, you know, 17, 18 footer that was really contested and missed, right? Those are those moments where I was like, you should be doing a, you know, inside out, whatever, spin, anything, get right by him, draw something. 
Uh, he did have an awesome skip pass to the right corner for a somebody three. Do you remember that one? No, but I would say on your Jason Tatum point, sometimes when you're tired, you revert back to your tendencies from years ago because that's the guy you really were and that's your muscle memory and you kind of worked it out of yourself when you're not as tired. So that kind of all comes together and makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and and I think it's a guarantee he will shoot better in, in game two. Right? Yes, yes. And I think Poole will play better on the other side. So we got to look yeah. out for those two. Yeah, and, and because there are moments that Poole actually looked pretty good too. He, he hit at least one three. Let me make, make sure that's right. But yeah, I think he hit first, a three. First half, he showed some flashes, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, although then he then, um, um, he then, you know, let Marcus Smart just take the ball out of his hands. Um, you know, I, back in the day we would teach that a guy is that far on you, you want to like lower your head and kind of get your head into his chest and rip through a couple times. And that, that doesn't necessarily work like that anymore. Not, not for a guy like uh smart, who's going to just dig in there and rip it out of your hands. But Jordan pool was two for seven, one for five, hit all four of his free throws and uh, was negative 19 to lead the team. <laughs> so, but right behind him was Otto Porter, who I thought played pretty well uh, on both sides of the ball. He had pretty good um, possessions on, on certainly shooting wise. And then on defense, pretty good. But then a couple times he completely just forgot to play defense all the way through and, and the guy hit a shot where they needed him to close out. So they're going to need better play from everybody all around. Um, we, but we have another super chat to get to. So, oh my goodness, nice. let's get there. Thank you guys so much. You guys, this has really been, you know, I can't tell you how much it means to us. Um, where is it though? I see it at the top, but I don't, Oh, there it is. Maybe. Yes. No, I wish I could. Well, I wish I could put this on. I could see it on the top. Okay. Where's Brandon? 1042. Oh, anyway, I'll find it. First of all, we have Mr. Research TV. Um, thank you so much, Mr. Research. Where was Curry defense on Derek White? 21 points and Poole couldn't play defense well. Green has to help everyone. So Horford and Tice can three easily. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Tice even hit a corner three, which, you know, Tice can make a couple here every now and then. But, that, but that's what we wanted for the Warriors. Yeah, I, it was, you know, White's threes for the most part, I think we're on pool. Um, but the one that we already talked about that he hit on the left wing that tied the game at 103 was, I mean, there's nothing that Curry could, could have done more than he did uh, anyway. So, yeah, uh, you know, but but it's actually, to me, it's it's a culmination of letting him get comfortable, right? You can let up, you know, well, you can perceive a bad shooter, just take some open shots, and then he all of a sudden he hits a couple. Now we got to guard him. But like now that he's hit a couple, he's going to be a little bit more potent. He might be. And that's what they found out today. Horford was different. And Horford, they're giving him target practice. And so he got going anyway. But and he, he can make those as it is. Um, and let's see, Green has to help everyone. So, and Green, without question, would, was overhelping too, getting positions he didn't need to be in. And then that would lead to Horford getting open as well. There was even a Horford uh, baseline shot down the stretch that was key and Draymond was like under the basket like helping a guy who didn't need help who's already like in decent enough position where his his area where his position was was redundant and then as a result he was nowhere near Horford who could shoot like it was maybe a 12 footer um and he just dropped that one in so yeah I mean look Draymond is one of the best help defenders team defenders we've ever seen and there was some uncharacteristic mistakes last night yes um, I'm just reading someone yelling at us. About uh, let's, let's yell back. Let's yell back. All right. Well, we have, we have another super. Well, I'm going to lose it. But anyway, all of you media dudes picked Golden State off of experience. Like the whole squad has it. They do. The numbers, right? It was 100 and some games of experience versus zero. 
Um, well, the, the series, is, first of all, the series isn't over, but hey, call me a media dude. What, yeah, right. Call us uh, media dudes. What can we do? <laughs> yeah, but but he is right that, you know, that Draymond is needs to be a better threat uh, on offense. And what I mean by that, they're going to ignore him anyway, but he's just simply going to have to score. I mean, the shots he missed were, were, were easy-ish. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, the way to do that is usually to cut through space when you're not a shooter, right? I mean, that's the only other way to create gravity when yeah, you're not or, a shooter. Or you're, right? you're the ball handler doing dribble handoffs and all that stuff, which is what he yeah. does. He's got it. I meant off the ball. I meant off the ball when he doesn't have the ball. Oh, off the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and screening you know, all those pin downs, whatever, but, but it's that corner position and I, uh, that Kerr is going to have to look at. And um, if there are moments when he gets to the corner and he sees like, you know, uh, Porter or Poole or anybody else, they should switch because more often than not on those drives and those uh, skips, uh, you know, it's the corner is going to get that shot. And, uh, and in any kind of one more, which is what I like about the, the Golden State Warriors is, the one more to, to Draymond on the wing then becomes he, they chase it right back and he can hand off and they get into that action as long as there's time on the clock. And that's another way he can become, you know, uh, less of a, of a, of a problem on offenses because he's involved again, it's, he's on ball with the ball in his hand, but at least you can make force the defense to have to deal with that action. So even it's, another, ama yeah. yes. it's amazing on offense that, um, he gives you no gravity and that's not where you want him with the Warriors, but as a weak side defender, he's usually awesome. And that is where you want him if you're the Warriors. So. Yeah, it's a he's a conundrum to say the yeah, least. Yeah. Um, let me get to uh, Brandon. All right, so Brandon ninety four. Thank you so much. The Warriors and he were undefeated at home prior to meeting the Celtics. What do you think makes the Celtics so successful playing away? Ooh. You know, it's a great question because it's not supposed to be that way. And I, here's what I feel like the home court advantage thing. I, I, I suspect in the three ball era in the modern era. It, does it feel to you like the home court advantage is becoming less of an advantage? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Why? The three-point variance, as we talked about. I mean, I think guys are shooting. There's more guys that could knock down the three. And, and also, like, if you have one guy that can't play defense and you could target him, it doesn't matter what side you're on, right? I mean, and everybody's offensive threat these days, right? So we could always target that one guy that's – um. Yeah. Not able to uh, play defense. Well, here's devil's advocate, you know, on the road, you know, they're supposed to be intimidated and it's pressure and they're going to miss more. Right. And they feel more comfortable at home. So th that obviously doesn't necessarily apply either. Right. Um, or it, it, by sheer volume, you can overcome whatever that is. Here's another thing. I think also the middle of the road NBA player is so much better than they used to be. Therefore the role players are closer to stars. Like if you think about it, there's so many guys that are, like right under that all-star level if they're playing great. Like I think of two guys on the Mavs, Spencer and Jalen, right? I think they're right on – Derek White, when he's playing well, he's right under that all-star level. These role players are just a lot better than they used to be and closer yeah. to the star level well, player or, than, ev than ever before. Or the, with the way the game is played, they're allowed they're – un, they're unfettered to do more things that we would never be able to see those role players do in the past, right? Like, like I mean, listen, here's a terrible example, but the shooting coach for the Lakers is Mike um, – Penberthy, uh, and he would tell me stories of like you know he would pretend to be Iverson in the practices, right? And I, there was a, I think this was reported even on um, a scout team, and he would do those moves, and they'd be like, "Damn, like where did that come from?" He's like, "I can do all this," but the coaches, he has told me this directly, where he's like, "The coaches would not let me do anything besides catch and shooting, even though he had those skills." So. Um, it's possible, you know, that they, those role players did have a lot of it, but they were, you know, so chiseled into these roles that um, that they were not allowed to get out of it. We never got the chance to see it. 
to the detriment of their teams. To the youth players watching this, I don't want to hear that excuse from you. The coach isn't letting me do what I got to do. You're not Mike Penberthy. You're not. At least, <laughs> right. at, at least yet. You can work up to that level. But maybe right, we have another one from Sean Jones. Um, smart one defensive player of the year. But is he in the conversation with guys like Kawhi, Butler, and Thibault in terms of being a wing defender? And, and thank you, Sean. It's very generous. Really appreciate the super chat. Um, let's see here. Is Prime, he in the I, mean, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, He's not in the conversation with Prime Kawhi. He is in the conversation with Butler and Tybal, I think. But those guys are really good. Tybal does really some really unique things on defense that makes him really special. And Butler is just – he has that killer mentality on both sides of the floor. But to me, like, two-way Kawhi, Raptors championship year, and even with the Spurs, he was a different level defender than those guys. Just super elite. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, listen, Thibel, I think, is going to be better than all of those guys. I honestly mm. do. Um, the way that, that, I mean, I mean, he's doing the Kawaii stuff now. And if he could just, you know, get his, his shooting, shooting, better, shooting uh, he'll yeah. get more minutes and then he'll get more opportunities to, to do that. I, I haven't seen, I mean, what Thibault is doing, I think is light years. I should do a video. I, I guess I have, I, I can't remember now, but it's, if I haven't, he, I got to do one. He plays okay. defense in a unique way. I would say that. Yeah. Well, he wants to play from behind. And yes, he can do yes. a lot of things. And a lot of his footwork is offensive footwork, which is, again, yeah. I've been seeing this for a while now, is we need to start developing all the splits and all the things we're doing on offense. We need to do that on defensive end, too, instead of step slide, step slide, or even turn and run is good. But we need to we need to open this up and let defenders have more uh, explosive uh, foot movements to keep them on pace with what's going on uh, with the offensive end. And, and Thibault absolutely does that. Uh, and I can't wait to like sit down with that guy and, and pick his brain and figure out how we develop all these things. Most definitely. I mean, he's a very unique defender. Butler's a great defender, but to me, like Kawhi is a, in a little bit different conversation, but I do think um, smart deserved it this year. He was the best. Well, some people would say Robert, Wood, uh, Robert Williams was the best defensive player on the Celtics, but in my opinion, he was the best defensive player on the best defensive team. So I think he deserved it, but he's not on the level of prime Kawhi. Yeah, no, I listen, somebody had to win it. And um, I, I have no problem with, with, uh, with smart winning it. It's what it's almost like the Academy Awards, you know, you're trying to give an award to a piece of art and it's really subjective a lot of the time. Yeah. And the defensive player of the year award is kind of one of those things where I'm like, I, you know, if, if you're in the top three voting, then you pretty much won it in my mind. It's, it's funny. Some people would say it's not subjective. Then they would just give it, they would just use the numbers and give it to Rudy every year. Yeah. But please <laughs> don't get me started on defensive stats. Yeah. And they're tough. I mean, they always lend its hand to the bigs. Like a guard won't win it if you just use stats. But, but even still, defensive stats suck. They're, they're not accurate. They're not measuring what they should be measuring. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's just they don't. And you need, if you're not doing it by hand or by, or by eyeball, whatever, then uh, I'm not trusting whatever. Uh, metrics you want to use. They just don't, they, they don't, you know, you can play the most amazing defense and get scored on. Now those guys will argue that in the long run, in the macro sense, it'll even out like, you know, if you're playing that great defense consistently, then, you know, um, then it will, it will show, but I'll, to me, it's just noise. It's noisy because, you know, the, the best defender is going to play against the best offensive player and they're going to get scored on maybe more than anybody else because it's the best offensive player they have to play most of the time. But they might be playing amazing defense, hanging the guy's jersey, making them much tougher than they are. And yet those are all negatives, you know, in, in the uh, in the um, analysis. So, you know, that that's the other issue. And then plus, if you're talking about rotational stuff, there's you need to watch out with your eyeballs, right? You can't you can't measure how good a guy is at rotating on the weak side. 
Do you think that – do you think somebody could create a stat that's more accurate when it comes to defense? No. I don't know. I, I don't th- I don't know. I don't. I mean, unless you had some more sort of AI and, and camera tracking, um, you know. And, and they have something about the, the proximity you are to the shooter when mm-hmm. they shoot it. But they don't know if he's facing the, the offensive player, if he's sideways, if he's jumping, if he's not. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of stuff there. That's a lot, of, var- a lot of variables. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and if they could solve some of that stuff, then great. It would save me some time. <laughs> but well, listen, we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes. I know you got to get out of there, out of here soon. But um, so if you have the super chat, get it in now so we can get to it, get to it. But what are, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up and talk about game two and what we expect and what we're looking thinking about heading into that game. So what what are your predictions? I think Poole will play better. I think Tatum will play better as well. I do think the Warriors will win it. They'll make adjustments. They're an experienced organization. They have experienced players. And you know that the playoffs is high-speed chess. So I'm looking for them to win that game. Right. I mean, I would argue that maybe Steph won't shoot as well either, but I mean, they're giving him target practice. He wasn't like on fire, 12 for 25 overall, 7 for 14 was pretty good from three. But, um, you know, so that's another one of those things to keep your eye out on. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the, to keep your eye on pool and how they're going to incorporate him and whether or not they give him a quick, uh, a quick yank, if he's not doing yeah. it well enough. And then I think that the, um, it's obviously going to be the, um, the, the lineups. Uh, Kerr is going to have to manage the lineups a little bit better than, than he did in this game and, and figure out more quickly uh, what's going to give him an advantage. Because if they can just get that one more lineup to give him a nice, big, positive boost alongside what appears to be to me that the starters will give them uh, uh, an advantage, then uh, then that will be able to win them a game. Uh, but if they can't figure that out, and that's a little bit of alchemy where you're never quite sure you know why or who and what fits together when – uh, then, then they're gonna, then they'll struggle, and uh, you know the only thing they have going for them is that they're at home again, and that should help them as well. But um, listen, I'm all for a, a long series. I could use another seven or six games of this. Couldn't you? Most definitely, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think this will be a close series, and you know some of the playoff series were a drag, but I think this one's definitely going to be interesting. Now, uh, skip passing. Keep your eye on that as well because the Celtics really use it to their advantage. Skip pass, gang. Uh, we got another. Hey. Um, we got. Let's do a shirt. Let's make a shirt for Skip Pass game, and then I'll get you one. We'll wear it for the next show or whatever. Let's get it done. Also, I think young players have to learn how to skip pass with either hand. Very important, especially for your young point guards. Yeah, that, that's great. You know, Curry used to throw that all the time. I don't remember seeing him do that much, but yeah, we'll see those hammer passes on the baseline, both hands. Uh, very. I mean, what level do you think the uh, player? Uh, how old the player should be to, to master that? Or can be right, right before the teenage years makes sense to me. I think really, you think that young people can master a skip pass with both hands with a, what with a weaker hand? They should be starting to work on it. Obviously, you're not going to have the spacing of a full NBA court and getting it all the way maybe to that corner, but start working on the skill. I would say. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I kind of you know if they're going to the left and it's a righty, I'll have them do like you know the backhand pass, which works pretty well, and you'll see NBA players do that versus a lefty hook or whatever. Ha- um, you know, pa- passing is like layups to me. It's like finishing. You need different options. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, we have another Sean Jones is back again. Thank you so much, Sean. A really generous, sorry to switch topics, but why is it that Bible is so underrated as a player when he's simultaneously the best wing defender in the NBA? Well, I mean, primarily, well, the question is, is he underrated because he struggles so much for a four year college player on offense. It's really bizarre. I would have thought he'd be more polished coming out. Um, but that's pretty much, I think, what it is. Uh, is he underrated? Do you think he's underrated? 
slightly because he brings so much value on defense, but then other times he's just off the court because he provides no spacing at all. Yeah. I mean, it's a real conundrum because he doesn't get the the amount of minutes that you normally get for a guy that's like that great on defense. So um, if he would, then, and I got to check the most recent, you know, last month or so I've been playing, but in my mind, it was like 22, 23, 24 minutes. And um, he really should be a 32 minute a game starter uh, on a good team. So if he could just get that polished up in this summer or something like that, then I think he could get there and then he'll be rated, I guess, properly. But as of right now, um, I, I think he's probably rated. that everyone recognizes how good he is on defense. They recognize the issues on offense and you know, we, that, that that's where we are. I don't know if anyone's either hyping him or under hyping him on that one. Yeah. I mean, Roberson is a guy that just couldn't knock down the three, but he was really good on defense and he kind of struggled I don't know. I don't want to say getting roster spots, but he didn't have the type of career he should have if he was able to just shoot it at an average clip. You know, and it's it's all about, you know, sometimes who's working with him, right? I mean, I, I'm convinced 100%. guys like that who can make the NBA who are that that level of an athlete, you could teach to shoot at 34% from three. You should be, uh-huh. especially because uh-huh. Robertson's shots were were like lick your thumb, you're so wide open, check the wind. Um, and uh, and he still couldn't hit those. So yeah, I, I agree. Um that we need to have a uh a uh like an intervention or, you know, like AA meeting or whatever. We need to have a support group for really, those yeah. amazing shooters that uh, the amazing defenders that don't shoot well and will, and will help them. You need to just focus in on the things that you have to be open to learning, right. And having the right guy teaching you like, but yeah. we're de- we definitely have so much knowledge now, even more than 10 years ago. Like we have so much more than even 10 years ago that if you just learn the right things and apply them, and it's even to a level where you don't have to put in as much work as before because we're so much smarter. You just got to work on the right things. Absolutely. All right. Last one as we wrap this up. Incognito, thank you so much again for the double super chat. Did game one change the outlook of the series? Well, I don't think it changed your outlook, right? Mm-mm. And I, nope. I, I, would I, am I going to back down from game six? I think I might have woken up this morning and was starting to think about game seven. I, I would like a game seven. It would be nice to have one of those in the, in the finals and everyone come flooding in the, you know, the YouTube channel and watching. Oh, Snapchat. Watch them on Snapchat. I do like these you know, kind of the, the similar version of what you're seeing on YouTube, but like they're kind of tighter and a little bit uh, shorter and, and more focused. Um, check it out there. It's going like bonkers now on Snapchat. Who knew that, uh, you know, basketball breakdowns would do well there, but they are. So if you want to uh, go ahead, you know, where basketball breakdowns would do good. Where? Well, everywhere. Besides everywhere, Instagram Reels. You know, I've been I've been letting my Instagram languish. I used to do little micro pieces of content on there, and, and they used to do well. And I and I just you know, I don't know. I'm gonna have to either get uh, maybe there's an intern out there that wants to do this for me. I, I got to find someone um, and uh, and finally just let them do it. So you got to repurpose um, across all platforms, Coach Nick. You know that. I know. I know. I need some help. Somebody help me out there. But combo, you got to get out of there. I got to get back to the video. Stay tuned for that. Watch the video yesterday, goddammit. Um, everyone watched it the first hour. It was amazing. And then it tailed off when the game started. But I went through all the finals uh, with Steph Curry and the, and the KD and who was getting doubled, who wasn't. And if I didn't make it clear in the video, I thought I did. But if I didn't, uh, they, they didn't really double either of them that much. And what I show was pretty much most of the clips that they, that they, where it actually happened at all. But we're going to have to have a tutorial combo of what a double team is because people, mm. people are confused. Non-coaches are, are confused about what a double is. Or maybe even some coaches. And maybe some coaches, but either way, um, combo, awesome stuff. Great show. A lot of people here. It was really great to have, especially in, a, in, a, in an off hour. Really nice to see. So thank you all for coming. We'll get back at it. I don't know. Stay tuned about uh, Sunday. 
We might try and do a live watch party, but I got like a lot of people in my house right up until five o'clock when the game starts. Yeah, I think I think Sunday's probably not going to work. We, I think we're going to aim for game three, right? Okay, cool. Now, yeah. but I might sneak a post game show in there if you're around. I don't know, but I don't know you on Sunday. But um, you know, if not, stay tuned for that. But keep your eye on that on that community tab, and uh, keep your eye on on Twitter and everywhere else, and you'll 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 find out what's going on. So. Thank you, Combo. Thank you, everybody out there for the Super Chats. Awesome stuff. And um, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Yes, sir.